2: Don't be surprised if I ask what a bag is.
3: welcome back to another episode of the gold diggers podcast you are joined by myself at flwn underscore and i am with
2: audrey old's london brianna at Shackered,
1: bubbles
4: at bubbles but with x an e brie at brie blue and maya at maya graham
1: we have maya
3: with us here for the first time ever
4: hi
3: I believe Maya is a Tottenham fan, so unfortunately for Brianna and odds, it's been it's been a bit of a weird game today. But let's go straight into it now, odds. I want to hear your opinion on today's match. How do you think it went? What could Arsenal have done better? What what were their strengths and their weaknesses? Talk to me about it. Do second half was awful.
2: Like it was. It's like. It was, um, it was like Tottenham were basically waiting for us to make mistakes because both of the goals that we conceded were literally errors. It was like they were literally mistakes waiting to happen. I think, hmm, wait. even when I'm thinking of any positives, the only positives I can even say is Martinez. that he, like, he actually kept us in the game,
5: mm.
2: especially in the first half, because I think as soon as the game started, he even made a save and it was like, we got pressure on so early because I feel like even like the first 10, 15 minutes, I think Spurs were the better side just for those like couple minutes. Now like I don't think we were, like, we were quite sloppy. You we well. didn't actually, like, we ended up growing into the game, mm-hmm. but I feel like in the second half, I feel like we didn't like wake up. That and, and Brianna, is that, the, is that
3: the same evaluation for you?
2: I agree, and I think like it was just clear that we were lacking creatively because Tottenham were always going to be well organized, and we just weren't doing anything to disrupt that shape at all. There was, there was nothing. There wasn't even like any sort of good passages of play where there was like intricate passing. There was it was a bit, it was just lacking everywhere.
3: I feel like as a neutral fan, I probably watched something different. Like I, I thought you guys were fine. I like the first
2: half we were, the first half we were fine, but the second half we weren't good,
3: weren't good at all. Why? Why do you think we were good? I think you guys were good. I think you guys were pressing well. I think you guys gave Tottenham a run for their money in the second half. It's, well, not better than the first half, but I don't think you guys were as sloppy. As you know, I've seen you guys in other games, for example, the Man City match, like you guys were very sloppy there. But I think for the second half of the Tottenham match, you guys did fall off from the first half, but I still think like there were opportunities, you know, there were chances, but you didn't take your chances necessarily, but I still think that could have gone either way in the second half, you know? Well, you guys just look bare disheartened. When's the last time you guys lost to Tottenham? That's why you guys are looking
5: so disheartened.
3: Shit. Well, I, well, I apologise for the shit, you know, display Arsenal gave to you today, but let me go to a happier face. Maya, give me your take of today's match. What are the pros and cons? What did Mourinho do right this time?
4: I think um, for Arsenal, it was either going to be, that the game coming at this point was either going to be a blessing or a curse because off that Bournemouth performance, Tottenham were either going to come out and they were going to be just as sloppy. They weren't going to convert anything. It was just going to be even worse than Bournemouth. Or they were going to come out with a point to prove. And I think just, and luckily for Arsenal, it was the second. They came out with a point to prove. Obviously got a shot off on target within the first minute or so. Yeah. Um, started started strong. Um, and I think... It, Unfortunately, our um, our goal came from a miss... Well, obviously, this, the second goal wasn't great defending, but I think the first goal was a clear and more obvious mistake. And we just capitalised on it. Um, I don't necessarily agree with the fact um, that you were didn't play well in the second half. I yeah. think I, I measured a time between of halftime starting and about 65 minutes where Tottenham could not gain possession when we had a foot on the ball we lost it 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 wasn't great and I was I was clutching for us to bring a sub on and Jose didn't and I've got to hold my hands up and a lot of the time I I criticise him but he had a game plan and it worked and obviously Big Toby came up came up in the end and um, it, it was unfortunate for Arsenal because I don't think you played badly but um, that's that's just sometimes the way it goes in derbies I guess
3: <laughs> No, legit I, I love that last time that's how it goes in derby sometimes because yes. I genuinely think Arsenal were the better side for the whole 90 minutes the entire 90 minutes I think firstly Louise is one of your main problems Louise and Mistafio Nah, he
2: wasn't he wasn't to blame for the goal it was Kalashinac. Yeah, it wasn't Louise at all
3: you think he was gonna? Colla- okay,
2: tell me. It's why- not think. It is Kolasinac didn't have to um put um and um, play the pass backwards at all. Xhaka was there, um Tierney was even there. He's on and he's on and what's it called? He's turning his back and even the way that he gave the ball to David Luiz, yeah, instead of him to get it on the what's it instead of him to take it on um the wrong side. Yeah, exactly. And it's like you know he's slow as well, so that's got nothing to do with David Luiz. That is all Kolasinac. It's
5: all him. Okay, sorry, don't don't,
3: don't kill the messenger, babe. Don't don't kill me, babe, yeah? I apologise for you guys' display today, but I think you guys guys played pretty well. I don't think this North London derby was particularly great in terms of, of course, there's no atmosphere because no one's there, but just in terms of, you know, the rivalry now, like, I always pose the question whether this rivalry is even still as important as we think it is. Now... I don't know. Like from an outside perspective, I just feel like this rivalry is dead, personally, and I'm just gonna take it straight to Bubbles because Bubbles is giving me faces. <laughs> so, Bubbles, how, what are your thoughts on this North London um, rivalry?
1: You said it's dead. You're gonna get a lot of hate for that. I know. <laughs> I, know
5: I know.
1: No, I, 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 think it's always. I've always said it's entertaining because I don't know if that's necessarily a compliment. Compliment to either of the teams. It's they're both so banterful at time that it can be a really funny derby um is it is it is it one of the great derbies in the country I personally still think like the Liverpool Manchester derby is still number one and then you know maybe even the Manchester Manchester United Man City derby is number two and then, this is third but I don't know I don't know as for like London teams how much they all hate each other because uh obviously Chelsea's in the mix as well it's all a bit confusing to, to a Liverpool fan <laughs> I thought it's quite straightforward yeah that's
3: true, and Audrey, I saw you shaking your head there. What makes the North London Derby better than all of these derbies at Golden? It's the
2: most entertaining in the league, but okay, you know, entertainment players, aside, uh, let's talk about
5: quality
2: in terms of quality. Yeah, it is, it is as well, though. Maybe not the players as it used to be, but I still think in terms of our football, people tend to actually watch our derbies more because you notice they you notice either someone's going to get you know a red or something, a penalty or something. Just that today just wasn't really one of our best derbies it was quite underwhelming.
6: I I think, sorry to interject, I think what makes the North London derby so good is when the fans are there as well. It brings more tension within the game. And I feel mm-hmm. like when I watched it today, I found it quite boring. I actually switched off after like 30 minutes because it just didn't feel the same. Um, Exactly.
3: So that's why I said, like, entertainment aside, like in terms of quality, and also touching the point that that's why, you know, everyone watches the North London derby. But it's actually quite funny because the Liverpool-Manchester United Derby is watched more worldwide than the actual North London derby. I think next is the Manchester City Man United Derby, followed by I think then it's the North London derby. So I think Bubbles' order was um pretty correct in that sense. But I just feel like Watching it without the crowd today kind of showed me that you lot suck, man. Like, this this, this derby actually sucks ass. Like, okay, sorry, I feel like I'm rubbing it in Brianna's and Audrey's faces. But honestly, I feel like it does suck. And I don't know if Breed, if you, if you agree with me, or if you think there's another derby that's, you know, as equivalent to this.
6: What, as terrible as... T- Tottenham and Arsenal or better well
3: obviously I think it's terrible but what are your thoughts
6: no that's why I said I I don't like it I don't find it entertaining especially today today like was the no one a coffin for me that I'm actually over them I don't look forward to watching them maybe when fans are there again and you know you have the full stage and then it'll be a different vibe but uh, Mm -hmm. this was boring
3: Um, and Maya do you think that the North London derby has lost its touch or do you think it's still the same it's still as entertaining as interesting
4: I think if you look at the, the derbies, um in relation to the quality of the football, I think if you base in something, say, so let's take United in that spell for the last five years or so, however long it's been, where United just weren't it. Mm. They, so if you're looking at the quality of the derbies that they were playing in, it it's just it's the same sort of thing we're looking at now with Tottenham Arsenal because the quality is lacking. However, if you're looking at the derby in the sense of the fight, I strongly believe that North London derby brings the, the most passion, yeah. brings the most flavour. I think even with these two teams in what eighth and ninth or whatever whatever we're in now, mm-hmm. big table teams And I get it's been a bit different today because no crowd and whatever. But if that had been a packed Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, I think we would have seen a real fight because I think it is the derby with the most. uh, Well, I guess you can look at things, stats such as fouls and things like that. That shows passion, and I don't think sometimes you get that in derbies that City or United always play in, even though the quality is there.
3: Okay, okay, fair enough. But okay. Let's take it from like a player perspective. So I'm listening to the Beautiful Games podcast and they interviewed Kieran Trippier. Kieran Trippier, he kind of basically said the same thing that you just said, like, you know, in terms of atmosphere and entertainment and all of that, like the North London derby is up there. Like, it's really up there for him as a player when he was at Spurs, but... According to him, and apparently Deli Ali as well, and a lot of them in the change room, they they see the Chelsea derby as more of a fight rather than the Arsenal derby. Now, as a fan, as a Tottenham fan, what are your thoughts on that?
4: I think for me, I don't know whether I sit differently because I'm a Tottenham fan is outside of the, the London, the London scene. Um, so I don't know whether rivalries are held stronger down there than to what I interpret them as. Um, however, I think if you're looking at a derby, you have to, I've never quite understood or grasped the thought of derbies where the teams are into this liverpool unite like I, I don't i don't understand it so for two teams to both be in such close proximity of each other makes for what i feel is is a derby now it also depends on so many other things at the time of where the where the team is in the league if if us and Chelsea for instance are battling for a top four position then that Derby is going to be 10 times better than say if Arsenal at the time are seventh in the league. so yeah. I think there's a lot of things that that come into consideration but for the players mm. I'd li- I'd like to think that that all London based uh, games are, are, are the same sort of fight at least
5: yeah.
3: Okay, fair enough. um Bree, as a Chelsea fan,
5: mm-hmm.
3: would you say that you find more enter- obviously you'll probably find more entertainment watching Chelsea and Tottenham, but like objectively, as objectively as you can, would you say that the the presence of a derby is more prominent in the Chelsea um, Tottenham type of battle battle or North London battle? What do you think?
6: No, you know what I don't I don't see it with um, Tottenham and Chelsea. I don't see it being as big as, as big of a Derby as it is with Arsenal um but one thing i do know is that tottenham have always been that team that end our streak like what season was when we had Conte, they ended up they ended our winning streak so i don't i don't necessarily think that it's a derby like that but whenever we have a record going on tottenham always end up being that team that
3: ends that record for us so I, mad that I really disagree. I feel like I'm not on the same page with anybody in this yeah. chat. Like I strongly disagree. Like I feel like ever since um 2015, 16 season, where we stopped Tottenham from potentially winning the league, yeah. Ever since that season, it's been fiery. It's actually been fiery and I always see the players so heated when they're playing against each other. And especially Delhi Ali, especially Kieran Trippier, especially when he scored that own goal. Yeah, you can see that he literally just wanted to cry that day. So I don't know. For me I just feel like derbies are not what they are back in the day. Like the North London derby, everyone needs to get over it. The Liverpool, Manchester United Derby, everyone needs to get over it. I um. fact- no, but it's true. Like the Liverpool Manchester United derby, what is the reasoning behind the derby?
1: What is it's it? Just, it's, it's a it's a historic hatred between the two cities as well. Like it actually goes back to like the Industrial Revolution times. Like the, the they would were... get over it. <laughs> <laughs> it's historic. It means something to the people as well who live there in those two cities. Yeah, it, it's it's a lot for them. When was the Industrial Revolution? Back in the day, history, and really, it? i don't
3: know the different- like 1800s. Like we, we need to get over it and understand that there are new derbies that are getting better than the old derby, including the Chelsea versus Tottenham, including you know Liverpool versus Manchester City. As much as Liverpool want to say, "Oh, we don't have a, we don't have a fight with them," blah blah blah. If you guys do have a hatred for you know the city of Man- or of Manchester, then it is a derby between Liverpool and Manchester City, and that's a much better derby that I would like to see rather than Liverpool play Manchester United.
1: Just me. Is it, I agree with you, it's a it's a better game of football when Liverpool play Manchester City, but hatred-wise, I'll never hate Man City like I hate uh, United. It's just ingrained in you.
2: You know, that's what I was about to say. I don't think there's any team really in the league that hates Man City. They don't have a long enough history to have, like, a deep derby with anybody, apart from maybe United. That, I think history contributes a lot a to lot, Derby, yeah. you know? Like, I, three years of Tottenham finishing above Arsenal does not a Derby make with Chelsea, unfortunately. Like, there's no way. There, how long have, has Arsenal had a rivalry with Tottenham? Like, basically, since we moved to North London, which is like the early 1900s. And so, like, because they've been better than us now for three years, like, all of a sudden, Trippier and Ali and them are trying to say that they have a bigger rivalry with Chelsea. They
3: Okay, so the last three years Tottenham have finished above you What is this, you know, this big thing about Tottenham finishing above Arsenal? What is that? Can, can one of you explain it to me? What is it?
5: Right. <laughs> right.
2: right. No, it's, uh, we, it's a funny like it just started off as banter like I, I remember people used to call it like St Totteringham's Day or something like when Arsenal used to finish above Tottenham because I think we'd done it for like 18 years or like 19 like it was dumb it wasn't even anything that anybody took seriously really for like 19 years and then like they yeah. finished above us and then they just
3: kept finishing above us for, like, but it's like now it's it's a now it's a thing. Like now, even Sky, you got Sky Sports talking about it, like, yeah, Tottenham can finish above Arsenal. You guys are ninth, seventh, well eighth and ninth, and everyone is still talking about Tottenham finishing above Arsenal. What is the obsession, Maya? Do, could you have any answers? What is the obsession
5: with that?
4: It's just a bit like the North London Derby itself. It's it's like bragging rights. Like I
5: don't
4: want to I don't want uh, to go from now. This Tottenham team being on the up over the past few years under uh, Pochettino, and oh, wow, I can't say we're still on the up, but the season isn't isn't over yet. But finishing above Arsenal for consecutive seasons for them to us not, oh, I can't quite put it into words. Like it's, it, I would say it is just bragging rights for me. Yeah, it's, oh. that's it simply.
3: Okay, sorry. I'm just being a a devil here, but okay, with bragging rights, yeah, coming above Arsenal is that cause of reason to brag, especially when Arsenal have, you know, they won the league in your back garden, you know, they've won the league, they've got the golden trophy, They they have bragging rights, but can we say that finishing above Arsenal is something to happily brag about, you know?
4: I'm, I'm the biggest person to hold my hands up and say, wow, well, it's clear and obvious how historically better Arsenal are than us as a club. However, times are changing. We're, we're moving forward. And, and over the past few years, since Pochettino, Tottenham have become a real force be reckon with. We got to the Champions League final. like it, it, That doesn't happen overnight sort of thing. And I think that, OK, Arsenal in the past have been this incredible... Huge, huge, huge club. Um, But moving forward in the future, times are changing. Leicester win the league. Like we need to start using our minds and 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 look forwards and not backwards. And that's what I try to do as a Tottenham fan. Because if I look back, I'll have to look back a long way till I see something good. Two thousand and eight League Cup. Like it's it's not good enough. So I'm just trying to look forward. And looking forward means finishing above them. I guess. I guess it's
3: kind of like baby steps towards like a winning mentality, basically.
4: Of course. That 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 yeah. whole Jurgen Klopp what he's done at Liverpool mm-hmm. is is what I ideally would like to see happen at Tottenham. I thought we were getting close and a Parch, Things happened. Um, but I think that's what that that's the, the road that we need to go down is we need to build and build and build and bring player in season by season if we can only bring one in, say, like Liverpool did with Van Dijk, bring in these crucial players and keep building slowly. I think that's our best hope.
3: I think that's that's actually a fair shout. Um Audrey, what do you take to the perspective that, you know, um looking down on Arsenal um in the Premier League g- gives you bragging rights? What do you mean? As in, because Tottenham finished finishing above you gives Tottenham bragging rights over Arsenal? I mean,
2: each to their own, but it still does not mean that
3: they're better than us. Fair. Fair. Do you know I'm going to leave it there before you, it gets a bit back and forth. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, Brianna, I'm just going to ask you real quickly, what has been your favourite ever North London derby for those who want to know?
2: Um... I did want to say one of the invincible ones, but it'll be so dishonest because I wasn't old enough to remember it that way. <laughs> um, so one of my favourite ones, I guess, in recent memories, being the 5-2, the second 5-2, not the first 5-2. Because mm. um, it just showed that, like, you know, we could come back. It was really entertaining. Like, I love watching Arsenal playing well and I felt like that game had like everything it had good goals it was entertaining it was the second of two so it was even more entertaining
3: yeah
2: okay and Audrey I'm biased I'm always going to pick the 4-2 one man when Emery was there I'm biased I was there as well it was amazing I'm so especially because we came back as well so it's like we can do it I just it, it, it's just the passion everything I just loved it
3: my favourite. I, I thought that, that's probably one of my favourite ones as well, to be honest. That it was, was amazing. One. It was amazing. It was amazing. And Maya, what's your favourite one?
4: Um, Well, going back to the fact that I was saying before about a derby and the atmosphere and the passion and things like that, The um, it was only a one nil victory a few seasons back. It was at Wembley, and I believe it was a record-breaking crowd. And I think for me, the fact for us to win at Wembley was... Uh, can't call it home, but at the time it was our home. Um, And Harry Kane, we were doing really well, I believe, in the league at the time. And just for the fact that it was a Premier League record-breaking crowd, like the the atmosphere, it it was electric. Yeah, it was special, I think.
3: Okay, these are all interesting um, choices. I I really like the contrast between um, Maya, Brianna's and Audrey's. Now, Bubbles and Bridget, yeah, just Bubbles and Bridget. In the most recent years, based on this North London derby, based on the rivalry between Tottenham and Arsenal, who do you consider has been the better side based on these last, let's say, three to five years?
1: In terms of just the games, or like the clubs in general? The clubs in general. Oh,
3: Tottenham, yeah, yeah, Tottenham by far. Tottenham
5: by
6: far. Okay. And Bridget. I'm with Bubbles. Tottenham.
5: Tottenham. Okay. No, that doesn't that doesn't take
3: away the size of Arsenal's club. Arsenal's still one of
6: the yeah. biggest clubs. In yeah, terms
3: of yeah. like yeah. over Except the last few years, they've been the better team. Yeah. Okay, I think that's fair. Getting them, them getting to the Champions League final as well. Arsenal haven't been there since two thousand and six. Just shows, is not it? Fair, fair, fair. So moving on, moving on, moving on. Um, there have been a couple of debates on the timeline, especially with goalkeepers which I find very interesting because I feel like we don't really get to talk about goalkeepers enough in our day and age. So it's nice to have this little debate going around. Now, I'm sure everyone's going to be watching the Euros next season. And I just want to touch on who we think should be our number one goalkeeper in the Euros. Now, I've got three choices for everyone. I've got Dean Henderson, I've got Pope, and I've got... um, Jordan Pickford. Now... I'm going to just start off and say I'm happy with Henderson being, you know, England's number one goalkeeper. I think he's shown himself. I think Jordan Pickford, for me, he's just not it. In my opinion, I think for Everton, he he is very very. And you're
1: kind of small for a goalkeeper as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah.
3: got little arms. I remember a picture of his gloves like circulating. I'm just like, this guy, he's just not it. And I just feel like he was very overhyped from was it the World Cup? Very overhyped. Yeah. But yeah, that's just me. I'm gonna go straight to bubbles.
1: Yeah, I think he hit the nail on the head. I completely agree. Henderson has, for me, shown enough this season that he deserves a chance. But at the same time, Pickford he shouldn't get it just because he's the current goalkeeper. He shouldn't get just keep getting these chances. Yeah, I, I'd say I'd say definitely Henderson and Pope as backup. Okay.
3: And Bridget.
6: Um, yeah, so I don't think Pickford should be chosen. As Bubble said as well, I totally agree with her. Um, mm-hmm. He was totally overhyped because of the World Cup, and if you look at his previous performances at Everton, I don't think he's good enough to be England's number one.
3: Okay. Okay. And Brianna.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree with um, Bubbles and Bree having Henderson as like the main, and then Pope as the backup.
3: So no Jordan pick for that all.
2: I, you know, I'm indifferent for the backup either way, but I yeah. I feel like. like England needs to start moving more about like giving positions on merit, like yeah, because that that sometimes kind of goes amiss. So it would be good to reward players for playing well throughout the season.
3: Mm-hmm. See why not? That's fair. That's fair. And Audrey,
2: <laughs> I think I'm gonna go with Pope. You know, because I feel like Henderson. Cause he, how how old is he again?
3: Anyone know? I haven't a clue. That
2: twenty like something, he? he's young. And <laughs> young he, yeah. yeah, he's been at Sheffield United. Like he's like he's good, shit, But he's been making like a couple silly errors. That's but been costing that's, them a bit of goals. So
3: I don't know. Based on him or based on Sheffield United's defense? Nah, mean?
2: him as like him as well. Like he's making like silly mistakes. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, he's very good, but he's no like, he's not error prone. But there's some things that can be avoided. So I feel like that's why I'm quite he- hesitant. But what I do know is that Pope, number one, about I don't mind it being swapping with him and Henderson. Sure. Oh, okay, okay. Fair. I
1: think I think Pope actually has the most clean sheets this season in the league so he's, far. He's yeah. been,
2: for me, he's been, I want to say, top three keepers in the league. I can't lie, this season.
3: Uh, do you know what is It's actually fair to say that, to be honest. I, I, I definitely agree um, on the premise that Pope has actually... Like, I, I feel like I disregard him so often because of the team he plays for, he plays for Bernie. Exactly. I feel like I disregard him so much. I mean, because Sheffield United is in the talks with, like, you know, top five and stuff, like, I'm more prone to, like, think of Dean Henderson. but, yeah, I think you're right actually. I thought I think Pope is actually probably the best option, but Maya, what do you think?
4: Um, I think it's good that we've still got some time to look at the three of them um, before the Euros, because I think going into this Euros, if if coronavirus hadn't happened and whatnot, um, then Jordan Pickford would have stood at number one and I don't know how happy I would have been about that. I think what you do have with Jordan Pickford is a leader, which I don't necessarily see in um, Pope and Henderson yet. Um, Like we said, Henderson, still quite young, um, but as as erratic and as many mistakes as Pickford makes, you've got the leadership in him. Um, Then I do believe with Pope and... um, and Henderson, they're better shot stoppers, mm. but I think Henderson has to nick it for me because I was watching uh, Pope. The uh, Bernie played yesterday.
5: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: Um, I was watching Pope, and I think what Henderson edges over Pope is his ability with his feet. Sometimes Pope looks a bit uncomfortable. He's so lanky, and the way that football is going, playing out from the yeah, back and whatnot. Bit,
5: yeah,
4: yeah. Um, I think Henderson, like, like we've all said, he really does deserve a shot. But I do th- I do think the two of them lack that leadership quality. And that's possibly just what Jordan Pickford has, because he has been England's number one for so long. And you just have to give someone a chance to to, to get that scale.
3: It's funny that you say that, though, um, especially with um, Henderson being better on his feet. Because we look at England's back four, who can we actually say is good with their feet in
1: Right, Alexander
3: Arnold. Okay, sorry. Apart from
1: the Liverpool, Liverpool yeah. they will start. They
3: will. They will be two. Yeah, yeah that's there. fair. I forgot about you guys. I will literally just go straight to Maguire. <laughs> I will <totally forgot laughs> go straight to Maguire. Like, <laughs> but sorry. like, full talk though. Like, Maguire is—he's probably going to start as a centre back. Like, there, there's no doubt about it. With Joe Gomez, which you know, Joe Gomez, I probably, he's probably coming to be in world class. But ugh, Harry Maguire not being good with his feet, does that give Pope a chance to, you know, start, maybe? It might just be long balls galore. Interesting, interesting, interesting. We'll leave that to the viewers to decide. But anyway, (laughs) another team that's struggling with goalkeepers would be Spain. Now, David De Gea has been getting so much stick lately. Like, I personally don't think it's warranted considering how many years of greatness he has given the Premier League so far. I think he's even... He could be better than Bandar for Man United, to be honest. Like he's been amazing. Big shout, big shout. I know, big shout, but he he has been amazing. Now, who is actually in contention with David De Gea for Spain's goalkeeper? Does anyone know? Anyone wanna tell me? I don't want to say his name, so you can... get <laughs> it. Yeah. The man who shall not be named amongst Chelsea fans. Now, if you had to choose your span your Spanish goalkeeper, who are you picking? De Gea. Easy.
6: Easy. Experience is there. I don't. Okay, fair enough. He's had his fuck ups, but I'm not. I I wouldn't pick keeper over De Gea. I'm sorry. Like that's a recipe for disaster. With his <laughs> small self. No, thank you. I'll pick De Gea.
5: Bubbles.
1: I think. Yeah, Ke- um, De Gea probably just edges it for me. Yes? Yeah, because, there's you know, there's got to be a point where you start f- uh, phasing in Kepa because at some point he's probably going to take over and be the, the Spain number one.
5: Number one when man.
1: is that going to be? Because, do you know what? I was looking at Spain's squad before before this and they've just fallen off so far from that golden generation. Yeah. And then you know, Iniesta, Xavi, they had David Villa and Torres up front. Now they have, like, Murata and... I don't actually, I don't even know they're on strikers. Oh, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. it's like they've, they're in a whole transitional phase and they haven't dealt with it well. So, yeah, I'd probably give it to Hea, but at some point, Kepra is probably going to make that step up because there's no one else, I don't think. Not going to be Adrian I know that.
3: Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, for <laughs> sure. Rihanna, who are you taking as Spain's number one? Hea. Yeah. There's nothing
2: that De Gea can do from now until the next Euros to make him worse than Kepa. <laughs> exactly.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's actually true. Like, I think De Gea probably has another four years. We're going to see him at the next World Cup, 100%. And I don't even feel like I need to ask on Maya and Audrey, but I'm going to ask him anyway. Maya, who are you taking?
4: Um, yeah, De Gea. I think, although a lot of people make... um. <sighs> Make I won't say excuses, but they use the fact that De Gea has been so good for United, and he has, and he pulls off these worldy, worldy saves. But sometimes he's not making saves at his near post that that I can make. Like sometimes the mistakes that Kepa's making, De Gea is also making. However, yeah. you then have to factor in the experience, and I think that's what that's what edges De Gea for me. Um, I think Kepa will get there. He he will be Spain's number one keeper and you will have to ease him into it. But for now, I don't think he, he would be ready to, to represent Spain at the Euros next year.
3: You know what I think? I genuinely think here, yeah, and I'll probably touch on this when, when we talk about Chelsea later on, but I genuinely think that Kepa's never going to get a sniffing. And I don't think he will ever deserve to get a slip in because I just don't see him learning from any of his mistakes so far that he has been making. The mistakes that he makes, he has been making them since he moved to England, and I don't see any form of, you know, player development. I don't, I don't see any form of it. All I see is arrogance, and that's just not going to work for me. I, I genuinely can't see him gaining. I think Roma. I think Roma has a um, a Spanish keeper as well. So I pray to God that, you know, Roma keep, you know, nurturing him. Um, Maybe he moves to La Liga to get a better look into the Spanish team because as much as I don't want Spain to win the Euros or the World Cup anyway in the next couple of years, fair, I just don't want to see Kepa play football again. Anyway, now moving on, Liverpool champions of England. Now, sis, you ain't been on for a couple of weeks, baby. I've got a couple of questions for you. Yeah. Now I'm gonna go all the way back to the 4 0. Oh
5: god, you're right,
3: Kate. Okay. All the way back to the four <laughs> You feel you thought it was gonna get away.
5: <laughs> no, baby
3: all the way back to the 4-0, and I need you to give me a rundown of your matches and what has gone right and what has actually gone wrong because I do not understand.
1: Yeah, you know, it's. I think it's as simple as that Man City game was a bad performance and a bad result. Then the Villa game was a bad performance but a good result because we got the three points. And then yesterday was like a good performance and then it was should have been a good result and then it kind of dropped off and then it turned into a bad result with a bad performance. That literally is as simple as that.
3: That's like the briefest summary I've ever heard from you for <laughs> any Liverpool match, ever.
1: It's just so hard to like engage with, engage with football right now because we've won the league and it's like I turn up and every day it's like, oh, it's match day again. Right, OK, let's get, get ready for another 90 minutes. And it's just, it, with, with no fans in the stadium and with no real reason to play anymore, it's just kind of like dropped off, really.
3: Do you feel like the players are probably thinking this way as well?
1: I think maybe not like on purpose, but yeah, definitely subconscious, subconsciously. They've probably lost that little bit of drive because you play a whole season with, in the back of your mind, get the three points, move on to the next game, get the three points, move on to the next game, all leading up to winning the league. And now that's done, it's kind of like, well, what is there to play for? I know there's the points record, of course, but you don't go every game in a season thinking, we need to break the points record. You just want to get the league.
3: And now it's like, oh, maybe we can get the points record as well, but, yeah. You see, now, here's where I'm going to hold you ransom. Now, the going back, like I said, you haven't been on this for a couple of weeks, so going back to the Liverpool-Manchester City game,
5: mm.
3: I know a lot of Liverpool fans wanted to win that match. And it's not even that Liverpool played badly in that match. Mm-hmm. I thought we did I play think you guys played badly. I really don't think you guys play badly. It's not that you guys play badly, in my opinion, but you guys let Manchester City walk all over you. Yeah. Which which for me was quite baffling. I I didn't see the same, you know, the same drive there. Even though you didn't play badly, I didn't see the same drive, which is fair. But at the same time, could you as champions allow a team to put four past you, almost five past you, especially when a lot of you guys were taunting Sterling and Sterling then puts two past you?
1: Well, it's, it's not the first time that the champ, a champion has lost 4-0 in their first game back. So,
3: Who else has done it? In
1: was, like Arsenal. They came to Anfield after winning the league and lost 4-0. In like
2: nineteen
1: ninety one or something. Oh, <laughs> Jesus so 1998, I
2: think it's more recent. So. No, it wasn't. Why nine... were you in nineteen
1: ninety eight? Sorry. <laughs> I don't even think it was in the
2: Premier League. Wasn't Jesus it, was the league.
1: it was in the Premier League. It was an Arsenal in the Premier League. It was, it was.
2: And did you see the squad that was even on the oh, core? Cool.
1: What?
5: Oh was you could have
2: same? That wasn't it's, it's, not it's, not. it's very shameless. Wasn't <laughs> like that like ten years into Liverpool's title drought? Like that's deep.
1: How many years are we into Arsenal's title drought now?
2: Not as long as yours was.
1: Wait, was it ten? Is it ten years yet? I don't know. I can't remember the last thing in the title.
2: Me neither. I don't know.
1: Exactly. It's probably ten years. Anyway, and why did you come off with you? What was the question?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I believe it's been. Um...
1: Sixteen years since Arsenal oh, won the title. So, so halfway to just over halfway to thirty,
2: then. We won't touch thirty years without a title, believe me.
1: I, we uh, you have more confidence than. Okay. Um, <laughs> just going back, just going back, bringing it back. Yeah, yes. <clears throat> the Man City game, yeah, they, yeah, midfield wise, yeah, they got walked all over. You let. De Bruyne uh, dictate a game like that. Of course, you they're gonna score four goals. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's when you if you're not hundred percent against Man City, you're at danger of that. You're at danger of just them, like you said, walking all over you. And mm-hmm. that's what happened. We wasn't there. We wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Gomez made some silly mistakes. I know we were just talking about how how good he can be for England, but you know he made the silly mistake with the penalty. And yeah, like you can't make those mistakes against Man City. This. Even though they're like 20-odd points behind us now, they're still such a good side, like some Mm -hmm. quality players. Mm -hmm.
3: Okay, fair. Um, But, okay, I'm so sorry. That whole little tuffle really just spun me. and I forgot my original question that I was even asking in the first place. So 1981 was when the the last time that uh, a title-winning team lost 4-0? I think it was 1998, but I'm not sure. 1998. Okay. So, considering that was, you know, I say 22 years ago, roughly, yeah, 22 years ago. Considering that was 22 years ago, can we say um, for the last 22 years, this Liverpool side has been the worst champions so far? Oh, in years.
5: I, I, do you know what, I, I couldn't. Hey,
1: hey
3: that. you bought me the year.
1: No, I, I don't know about all the records of, of well, we won it the earliest. So that, that definitely plays its part in sort of our performances. Still, mm-hmm. We wanted seven games still to play. No one's mm-hmm. ever done that before. So I don't know if their drop-off would have been the same if someone had won it this early before. I mean, I, I can't remember how Chelsea played after they won it with five games to go. I, like, generally. Oh, we were
3: fine. We were fine, baby. We were fine. We were fine.
1: Did you win every game? Did you win all the five games? After we
3: lost one game.
1: Okay, so we've, we've lost one game as well. then. Four-nil. Yeah.
3: <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs>
1: Okay, you touched on your
3: midfield getting walked, over, walked yeah. over. And a topic for this season, in fact, was Liverpool beefing up their midfield, needing to get more creative midfielders. Just, you know, a, a Coutinho-esque midfielder, basically, is what you guys have apparently been lacking for this for this season and for last season as well. You guys are linked with, in my opinion, one of the best midfielders in the world right now mm-hmm. in Tiago. Now
5: yeah.
3: tell me about Tiago. What what can Tiago bring to your team at this moment in time?
1: I think what he could he, I mean he's a player of such great quality, right? Like from even from a personal perspective, I've been a big fan of him and his style for so long so it would be so amazing to have him and I think He's only available for like around thirty million because he's got a year left on his contract and buying wanna sell before so they don't lose him for free. Mm-hmm. But I think just having a player of his quality, his passing ability, his sort of dribbling ability, his vision, having that in your team, uh it just creates a new dimension. And I think the way we play at the moment, everyone pretty much knows pass to our fullbacks, cross it in, then one of the front three scores, hopefully, right? we don't often play through the middle we don't play foot through the middle like how we did a couple of seasons ago mm. and having him as an option would definitely make you like be able to do that especially sort of those home games against the like mid table or lower league teams having him why, gone and I,
3: just interrupt you and i feel like i speak for a lot of people when i say this liverpool fans talk about this system and players not coming in and changing this system yeah. We yeah. have spoken about Tiago for two seconds. Are you already spoken about you guys, you know, driving through the flanks and getting the balls in and crossing mm-hmm. and hoping that someone scores, blah blah blah, fair. But Tiago, you'll have to play through the midfield now. Yeah. So Tiago can essentially change this, you know, change this um form, um system that Jurgen Klopp has built.
1: It, it wouldn't change it permanently, but it'd be an option to play a different way. Some games, I'm sure the crossing from the wings would be would be a lot more efficient than other games, but there's certain quality of teams that you play, like the away games in Europe. I'm thinking back to when we, we lost to Athletic Madrid away. We had the ball for about 90% of the game, but couldn't create anything because our same thing was get the ball to Trent or Robson, cross it in, and they could just defend it. Just you park your bus and defend it. We didn't have a player who could dictate a midfield, or dictate a game, and we mm. not had that for a few years now, and he could bring that. It's, it's a new way of... It'd be a different... Option. Not
5: necessarily changing things. Sorry, what the hell
1: was
3: that? Sorry. Oh, well, was that you? Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Okay, cool. Fair enough. But going going back to, you know, Liverpool and changing their system,
5: mm.
3: I just think it's a bag of rubbish, but I don't want to touch on it again because I feel like we're all going to argue again and I just want this to be peaceful because <laughs> actually, no, I am going to touch on it again. So I think you guys personally need a striker.
1: Yeah, 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 I agree. If you could get a
3: striker, would that change Klopp's, you know, style of play? Yes or no?
1: Probably not, no, because I'm thinking to Timo Werner, who obviously Chelsea have signed now. He was who we were heavily linked with beforehand. And again, he would have been a different option. So in some games, you play him instead of, you know, one of the front three or you play him with the front three, You make a front four. Or you have him on the bench, like it, it, it'd be changing things or bringing a new option. It wouldn't actually be completely changing the way we played because it's been successful for two years now. Does that make sense?
5: Not
3: to me. Does it make sense to you guys? No, I think you're going to have to break it down again.
1: Okay, so, okay, right. So I think if we were to sign a, a forward, it would be <laughs> a, a backup, right? So we have Origi at the moment who comes on and plays left winger. He's not a left winger you know, it's out of place when he plays there. Mm-hmm. So if we have to sign someone who's versatile enough to, you know, play across the front three and be a different option. Does that make any sense? <laughs>
3: okay. Yeah, OK, so, like, when Origi comes on, he plays differently to how Firmino plays, basically. If that yeah, yeah
1: don't, we don't play Origi through the middle often. I've recently, yeah. yeah, but no.
3: So, OK, let me spin the works here. If Harry Kane came to Liverpool... yeah today
1: right yeah okay
3: where and how does he play
1: that's a difficult question because the way he's a
3: world-class striker yeah? yeah he's a world-class striker you yeah. guys get him for a bargain yeah
1: yeah yeah i think again i think that would involve changing the system and probably probably playing him in front of Firmino as like playing four up front with Salah and Mane as the wingers but even still, I that's so, like, sort of defensively um, vulnerable, if that makes sense.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I'll, or you would just completely change things and maybe play Salah and him up front as a as a two, maybe. Um, and Firmino's not involved. Uh, yeah, it's uh-huh. hard. It's so uh-huh. hard to...
3: I've got got so much to say, but I feel like I'm just going to leave that one there because I don't want Liverpool fans in my mentions on this because there's just so many things right now Mm. that have been very contradictory to the fan base's opinions. And if we...
5: Go on.
1: No, I I mean it like... I don't know how to explain this because I know I feel like I understand what the point you're coming from is, but it's, we have a front three that works, right? And the central, central forward is Firmino, who doesn't play a traditional striker's role. And so if you wanted to bring Kane in, he wouldn't do what Firmino does. He'd be a better striker. Mm-hmm. So would you play, would you, would you play him with, like, in a completely different role? You wouldn't play him like, on the wing because he's not a winger. But mm-hmm. our wingers are the ones who that score the most goals. Salah is our primary goal scorer. But, you wanted, to,
3: but you wanted to bring in Wana.
1: No, because Werner could play on the left. When he plays with Leipzig, he plays on the on the left of a front too, and he often comes wide.
3: So if he plays on the left,
1: he
3: this, is like, this is like quick maths, if he plays on the left, yeah, yeah, would it be up front in front of Mane or would it be what?
1: It, so it depends. Again, so it could be either uh, instead of Mane, if you wanted to rest Mane, or Mane would have gone to AFCON in Jan if it was still happening. Or you would play in a four two three one where you have Werner as a central forward because we know he's still a great goal scorer and he can probably play that as well as on the left, and they have Firmino behind him. Yeah.
3: Yeah, but it's air families. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, Maya, what's your what's your take on what Bubbles has just mentioned if you can understand what she just said because it's. it's... <laughs>
4: Um, it sounds like you don't want to drop Bobby um, I get why he's a class player but um, it just sounds like whatever you've said there is sort of to work around him whether he drops into that deeper role and plays as that false nine or what he does and I think um, he's, he's 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 an amazing player he's a world class player and he has done so much for Liverpool but you've got to look possibly at uh, his recent spell and think what what ca- can Liverpool do when he has spells like this to switch it up and sometimes drop in. I tell you what Liverpool are doing amazingly at the minute is bringing in these young players in this restart period, knowing that they're yeah. going to and they're feeding them in slowly but surely. I think what Klopp did with, with the cup, play in a whole 23s, it was ridiculous. What he's doing at the minute, feeding those in, um, is perfect. And they're hungry for it. And I think even doing that with with an academy prospect, bringing someone in who's hungry, because for me, Bobby doesn't look hungry at the minute. He's looking off the mark. He doesn't look sharp. Um, Just going back even more, actually, to the point made about um, midfielders and the system, I was watching um wolves today and wolves obviously play play the wing back system. Mm-hmm. And why wolves are so successful in that system is because teams have to come to Molyneux or whatever and they have to try and match that because they'll just get outplayed. Yeah. And teams struggle to do that because that's not maybe what they're conventionally used to. They're maybe used to the four at the back system. And I think that is where Liverpool need to strengthen up. You need to look at the likes of S- City who have central midfielders in abundance. They, it, It's unreal. And like what happened at the Etihad, Liverpool got outplayed in the sen- centre of the pitch. And I think if they do want to be able to be versatile and do what teams can't do with Wolves, such as adapt to other teams' styles... Mm-hmm like not getting played and outplayed in the midfield, then they need to strengthen and they need to get a real playmaker in there because for me it's it's lacking. Um okay it's two points
1: there then. So the first oh my god, my mind's gone blank. <laughs> <laughs> oh right, I'll talk about the midfielders then first. Um yeah I don't I don't think we you you get a team as successful as we've been in the past two years and like they need to now be able to change and adapt to other teams. Because you're, when you're so good, they, the other teams need to adapt to you and how you're coming to their ground and, and they're playing you. Um, and the bit before about dropping Bobby, I'd say if you watch our uh, game against Aston Villa in the midweek, just gone, for me, I didn't start. We played awfully, because mainly because Origi wasn't providing enough movement in the front three and Salah wasn't getting any chances either. So when Firmino came on, the game completely changed because he was dropping in, making the spaces for then Salah and so Soor- what. Should that be team. your? Should that be like the role of your striker? Like well, he, and- he's our he's our he's our central forward, but Salah is our primary goal scorer, so he's our striker and Mane is our striker. Does that make sense? It, it's almost like a two. Is in possession, it becomes sort of two up front, and it's it's Salah and Mane.
3: It makes sense, but it's like algebra. Like it's just, it's confusing because
1: I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I completely agree with that because obviously you're, you're not Liverpool fans. You don't watch us every week, and so it is, it is hard to to grasp. But I would completely get that, yeah.
3: But it's not, it's not even just that. Like I'll put a question out on Twitter, which I've done recently, mm-hmm. saying Salah can be either a false nine or a nine, and then I'll get, I'll get bullied. I'll get slandered. For even having that um, as a fault in my head but you're telling me now that is basically a striker
1: so I think Salah can be a nine but I don't think I don't think he can be a false nine because that involves a lot more defensive work and mm-hmm. more sort of clever running dropping back to make space for others if that makes sense mm-hmm. that, yeah. it does make sense but
3: yeah. fact, matter of fact is he can be a nine
1: but, yeah, yeah 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 okay
3: I'm, I'm not even going to go into this, go anymore into the whole algebraic and Force 9 and Firmino and Tiago, but hey-ho, um, just because it just came to my mind because we briefly spoke about him. Maya, what's going on with Harry Kane? What is going on, sis? I need to know from a Tottenham perspective. We haven't had a Tottenham perspective in a while, so what is going on with that man?
4: Uh, Yeah, like you said previously, you you have to throw him into the category of being a world-class footballer because he is. I don't think anyone here would would argue that. However, (sighs) uh, 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 coming back from an injury... Can never be easy, and coming back into a team that has—it's—we've lacked—we've lacked in so many different areas. Areas that when Harry Kane was winning golden boots, he had Trippier, he had Walker, he had these fullbacks giving him inch-perfect crosses on a plate. Now we don't have that. Aurier, Davis, I don't want to talk about them too. let Let's move on. <laughs> you know what I'm going to say. It's not the same. So for him to come back, we've lost Ericsson. Okay, Giovanni LaSalso's come in, unreal footballer, but I don't think the chemistry is there. Delhi hasn't been playing. He's come back into a team that has, has really lacked service. However, I don't want to give him too much benefit of the doubt because... I'm a strong believer in Harry Kane being a striker who creates a lot of his own chances. He picks the ball up deep. He he can run with the ball. He can take players on 1v1. He can do so much. So I don't want to make too many excuses for him because he has looked... He's grown into this restart, but he has he has looked off the ball. He hasn't looked too sharp. He should have, I think he should have buried two today, at least. At least. At least. And it's just typical Harry Kane that two years ago, or even a year ago, inform Harry Kane, you would put your bank account on finishing. And he's not doing that. Like I said, I do have to bring into play the squad because it can't be easy. And I think Harry Kane, in my opinion, as a Tottenham fan, we need to do better or he needs to go because he is a world-class striker, not playing in a world-class team. And he has the ability to go and do amazing, amazing things. And of course, I'd love him to stay at Tottenham. I absolutely love Harry Kane with all my heart. However, if he was to leave, I wouldn't blame him. It's
3: kind, of like, it's kind of like Chelsea and Eden Hazard as well, ain't
4: it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's destined for bigger things than what Tottenham are at the minute. Don't get me wrong, Tottenham, like I said, have the ability to do this slow build and become a really good team. But he he he's injury-prone as well. Maybe he need I don't know. It's difficult. I love him and I want him to stay, but we need to do better for him. Because mm. at the minute we don't deserve a player of his ability even though he's not informed we don't deserve informed harry kane do you
2: think you'll leave this season
4: it's so difficult i I, i'd love to put myself in his head and know what he's thinking because you could so easily go down the route of we 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 were in such a good place last year and one year on just one year on and we are eighth in the table europe champions league out the window europa's not not destined, we're, we're playing boring football and not processing a shot on target. If I was in his head, he could so easily be thinking, I need to get out of here. I am 10 times better than this club. Or he could be the, the Harry Kane that comes across to the public, which is, I love this team. I want to run with them. I want to do good things with Tottenham and grow with Tottenham. And I genuinely don't know which one it is. I think if we still had Poch, it would definitely be I want to stay with Tottenham, but Jose Mourinho has us playing the most offensive football and he's one of the best strikers in the league. It just doesn't, yeah, it's
3: no, hard. I'm going to come back to um, the Jose Mourinho point, but just touching on um, Harry Kane. So, Brianna, just touching on Harry Kane, like Maya mentioned that, you know, an informed Harry Kane, he's top of his game. Like Spurs don't deserve a player like him when he's informed, so Spurs need to do better. But other people may say that, Maybe Harry Kane has hit his peak and he's now on the decline. Is this something that you would agree with too, Brianna, or are you with Mayo on this one?
2: I'm kind of half half because I feel like him being injury prone is a big problem. I, I don't think it's necessarily a, a mentality thing. I think it's sometimes his body just doesn't cooperate with him. Um, but I do think he doesn't get enough service as well. So it's a it's a bit it's a bit half half because I. I, I don't think it's fair to say, like, oh, he's finished or, like, you know, he's he's not class, because he is. Like, he's still a good goal scorer, but there are just... I think if you can't get the sort of the run of games without injury type thing down, you have to start seriously looking at whether or not he's in decline purely because of his body, the legs won't be there. Mm-hmm. That's fair,
3: that's fair. And Audrey, is this something you agree with too? Or do you still think Harry Kane... There's still time for him to be the best he yeah,
2: can be. He's he's 26. That's that's still young. Yeah. I don't think he's reached his peak at all. I don't even think he's finished it. Do you get what I'm trying to say? I, like I said, I feel like the injuries are getting the worst of him as well. And if I'm Tottenham, I would try to raise some money off of Kane. Do you get what I mean? Like, like let's be real. Like he does deserve better than Tottenham. It's like him staying there as well. I feel like. If he does stay there, I feel like it's going to hold a lot of his. It's going to hold a lot of his um career as well.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh. I don't know. It, I don't know, man. Like even like this Tottenham team, I don't think this Tottenham team suits him.
3: Mm. So, do you, what team do you think, Susan? Would you take him at Ramadje? Because you're also Ramadje fan. Would you take he's him? He's not
2: out... going to start there. He's okay. not replacing. He's, 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 he's going to be on the bench. Like, <laughs> he look, like. I don't even like comparing, but even Hazard doesn't start a lot of the games at Madrid. Injured? No, but he's fine now. He actually doesn't start a lot of the games. And he are I'm I'm, I'm actually not even (laughs) getting at this. The fact that at Real Madrid, he's not going to start ahead of Benzema. He's not. Like, look at um what's his name? Is it Jovic? What's his name again? And he doesn't even start. So, it's like Harry Kane, like, he would play, but he's not starting over Benzema. Do you
3: i to say? Putting Benjamin's side, would you take him at your club to start?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, of course I would. Yeah. Like he's what? Like he does walk into basically just about every team. He does. Okay, but that's, that's my opinion anyway.
3: That's i cool. And Bree, do you share the same opinion? Yeah. You're on mute, darling.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. Um... Back to um Oz's point that it hasn't reached his prime I do agree, but I do feel like if he continuously gets injured, it might short his career. It might shorten his career as well, which could be detrimental if he ends up staying at Tottenham because as back to Oz's point again, Tottenham isn't exactly suitable for him. Don't ask me what team because I'm not entirely sure what team he would be suitable in. But um I a player like him it would be great if he had some trophies to like back up his performances in it, and I don't think he's gonna get that at Tottenham. Even though yesterday I came across an article where apparently Mourinho said he's gonna win three or four trophies at Tottenham before he leaves. So uh, yeah.
3: Thank you for even bringing that up, <laughs> Maya. How likely is that?
4: <laughs> when, when he came in, I wasn't a lot of a lot, there was a lot of mixed opinions um with Tottenham fans. I was gutted to see Poch go. I thought that it was too soon. He was really, really onto something. But ultimately, we don't win trophies and fans want trophies. Jose Mourinho wins trophies. Um, I think you always need to give a manager time. I mean, Jose Mourinho won trophies at United with a sloppy United team. And um, I think if he can do it somewhere like there, he can do it somewhere like Tottenham he needs to be given money, I think he needs to be given time Um, I think he needs to keep Harry Kane Um, I think there's a few things that that factor into whether we can win trophies Europa League would be amazing if we could nick nick a spot this year Um, obviously coming off the back of getting to a Champions League final we should really be challenging if we were to make Europa Um, but I think, if anything, Tottenham fans need, need a bit of silverware. We need something. It's It's been good football, like you say, been getting top four for a few seasons now, but we've not been getting anywhere with it. And I think, as a Tottenham fan, I just want a trophy. If Mourinho is the man to do that, factoring in those things such as money, keeping Harry Kane, having a bit of time, then I'm happy for him to stay. I just... I just hope for, hope that it's not a waste of time. So you sacrifice playing attractive football and, you know, enjoying
3: watching your football week in week out. Because as a Chelsea fan, I understand the struggle. Trust me, not playing attractive football is a bit of a bore. So you sacrifice all of that just for some silverware, yeah?
4: I am not saying I would sit and watch the football that we played against Bournemouth for a whole season for the sake of us to win an FA Cup, say, because I'm a real football fan and I enjoy watching football yeah. and watching good football, you know, it, it, it it's what it's all about. And the football that we were playing under Parch, even though we weren't winning anything, it was beautiful football that he had the team play in. Now, I would hate, I would hate, hate, hate for us to, of course, I'd prefer for us to play good football and win something. I'd hate for it to be through playing boring football, but if, oh, I don't want to say If that's what it takes Because it is Disgusting football That Mourinho Does have us playing At the minute And I do hope That it isn't As defensive As it is now Because I don't think I can watch Much more Of that Tottenham team And I'm a Tottenham fan But I want to win a trophy So I can't have my cake And eat it <laughs> I can't
3: Unfortunately Not everyone Has a team Like Manchester City Who can have their cake And eat it Exactly I wish if I, if my team could play boring football and actually win some games or win some trophies, I'd take it personally. But that's that's all I know really and truly with Mourinho. That's all I know. But okay, that's interesting. And how have you found Mourinho so sorry, I haven't been able to ask a Tottenham fan this. How have you found Mourinho so far? Like, okay, coming off the back oh coming off the back of the L's with potch, how have you found Mourinho so far in you know elevating Tottenham back to where they should be? How
4: have his efforts been? I feel like Mourinho, as a man, his energy um, does not at all even come close to what Pochettino... I think Pochettino had a love for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. He had grown with the club and he really wanted to take them and he wanted to stay. Um, He wasn't given the opportunity. So for someone like Mourinho to come in and after, what, five years of Poch being there... Uh, and having that extreme love and passion for Tottenham, Mourinho just wasn't there, and he's still nowhere near there. For me, you can even see it in post-post match interviews and things like that. I, I I don't think he has enough love for the club yet, and it'll come hopefully over time. He's not been here too long, and um, but I hope with that love comes a bit a bit better energy because i feel like i'm not really getting it right now and that's coming through across the pitch it's coming through the players i don't know what happened the other day with with Larice and son but I, i do like that don't get me wrong a bit of fight a bit of passion but something is going on in in the dressing room and behind closed doors and i believe it stems from this energy that jose can bring
3: He he is the king of energy, isn't he? Like, (laughs) United fans fans have witnessed it. we witnessed it. But you guys are witnessing it a bit too early for my liking. Like, that whole debacle with um, Son and Larissa. Deja vu. Deja vu. (laughs) I was thinking, you guys are in trouble. (laughs) Big, big trouble. But let's see how it goes you know, we've got the next season to come. I don't think you guys will necessarily make Europa League or, um, of course, not Champions League, but let's see how it goes, maybe not being in Europe next season. And if you guys get the money, who knows what Mourinho can do? Because one thing about Mourinho, which is a fact, anywhere he goes, he wins a trophy. So Tottenham could possibly win a trophy next season. Now, I'm sure you guys have probably realised that I've spoken bare and, you know, now we've only got 10 minutes, so I just don't feel like there's enough time to even speak about Chelsea. Wow. Like, what a damn surprise. So with that being said, thank you guys for listening to another... No, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. I'm playing, I'm playing. 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 Uh, Okay. Did anyone watch the Chelsea match yesterday? Yeah, my you watched it. Yeah, Brittany, yeah. You watched it. Oh, I know you don't care about Chelsea. Did you watch it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't
2: get to no I didn't get to you know, but I was shocked when I heard that you lot lost free deal
3: though. So I'd I th- th- what th- happened? <laughs> i do not know, so I'm
5: asking y'all like I you know, saw the
6: I was out so I saw the scoreline of two 0 before half time. So yes. I was like, you know what, I'm going to put my phone on flight mode so I don't get notifications. Right. When I knew that the game would be over, I then saw 3-0. We lost 3-0. Like, it wasn't even a draw. There was no... We didn't even get one going against Sheffield United. I didn't watch the game. But just seeing that scoreline, I was just like, what the hell happened? What went wrong?
3: Please, if mm-hmm. you watched it? I know, Brianna, can, can you guys <laughs> yeah. let us know? Because I turned it off <laughs> very prematurely
4: made me feel a whole lot better as a Tottenham fan after what they did to us so thank you for that um <laughs> Chef are good Chef are a good side they've come out this season and they've they've blown my mind the football yeah. that they play is is good football and that's essentially what I think happened I, I think Chelsea were well off the mark and um, some of your top players were just not up for it and McBurnie and McGoldrick, they 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 took advantage. They played really good football together, and it, it was a it was a pepperin by by a team that that are, are good. So it's okay, it's okay. If it was if it was Bournemouth like me the other day, then it's pain. But Sheffer a good team. You know what? Yeah, if I was a Chelsea fan,
1: I would just look forward to next season. You got ZH coming, you got Werner coming. Like, that's so exciting. Just get through these last three games and
2: then enjoy. Oh well, no! Chelsea's to me.
5: defense doing. Oh, no, no. Thank, no, you Thank you, Dream. Thank you. I
2: don't think Joy do you know, is like that. They're making good signings, yeah, but I think Chelsea actually knew they do need to focus more at the back because I feel it's like that's where side. a lot of things are going wrong. Especially yeah. yesterday, the defense was the problem. Like, it's not not to take away from Sheffield United, but Chelsea's defence, it was so blatant and obvious that the defence was the problem yesterday. Mm -hmm. Our defence is
6: always the problem. Every single game we've lost, every single game where we've struggled to win, it's always been our defence. And we need to make signings. And we're not making signings. It's just worrying, Okay, we're sorting out the front, but what about the back? Because then we're going to be vulnerable at the back next season if we don't make any new signings. So it's back to square one again. It's just going to be a constant cycle. So I don't know. I don't know if I want to look forward to next season just yet. Ideally,
4: what's your preferred defensive lineup?
5: With the, the
3: players we have right now? Yeah. I promise you. I don't you, have one. For the, the last <laughs> me, me. As long as Dave Aspilicueta starts, as long as he starts... I don't have one. <laughs> I, I genuinely do not have one. And I feel like that is a huge issue. Ask me this 10 years ago, I'll be able to tell you. But right now, I don't have one. And I just find it so funny that we keep chopping and changing the the centre-backs, yeah? As if we have, you know, quality <laughs> to be chopping and changing with, which really just irritates me. Because who started? Was it Zuma and Christensen? Now, Zuma, he can become extremely headless. He has his good points. And you know, when he's playing well, he can literally be a defend a defender and a defensive midfielder all in one night. He's absolutely amazing when he's playing well. But when he's not playing well, he's the worst player on the pitch. And that is more than often. Now you've got him already who's a liability, yeah? And then you add Christensen. Now, excuse my language, but that guy—you know—I'm not even going to swear. That guy—he's—he's—he's he's, he's a little—he's brittle, like he's really like fragile, and like oh, the ball is coming, like he's lit. He's really like that, and I don't see him making the rash challenges that John Terry would make. I don't see him, you know, making smart moves at the back like John Terry would make. A lot of our fans compare him to John Terry. I honestly sit here and I look like. Where who I'll be watching? That's not the same guy. I think the first goal—it was even the first goal, or the second goal. Christian was at fault, and it's because he just doesn't know how to close down his man. And sorry, guys, I know I always go off on a tangent, man. I know, I, I know, I always do. I apologize. And it's just the fact that you've got um, Zuma as his partner there, and Zuma's just there looking headless as well. I think it was the first goal where it rebounded off Kepa, and then the striker's there but then you see Zuma and Christiansen standing there like this. Like, why are you not alert? Why is your defensive brain never switched on? If a shot like that goes in, I will never see Van Dyke just standing there. Van he will probably be aware that that could rebound off. He'd be there, at least applying pressure, you know? But no, that's not what we get with our back four. We don't get that. And then you have Reese James there. My goodness, God. We supported this guy. I was supporting him. I defended him all all of this season, all of this season, and he has shown me nothing, absolutely nothing since the restart. And I understand that it is a restart. And I understand they have been off for quite a quite some time. However, you are a footballer. You get back in shape. ASAP. You get back in shape, ASAP. The same way Jaden Sancho got back in shape, ASAP, is what we need to do with him. I don't know, maybe he didn't get enough slander on Twitter, because when um Sancho came out with his pot belly. The slander he got was absolutely abysmal, but what did he do? He went back to the gym, and that's what Rhys James needs to also do. So maybe we need to do our part as fans and let him know he's fat at the moment. He's really fat. He's Eden Hazard fat. He's fat at the moment, and he needs to sort it out. I know, cause as a as a right back as a left back, you cannot not. Be walking. You cannot be walking. You can't. You look at Trent and you look at Robertson. Those are the type of left backs and right backs that we look to aspire to get. We see. We used to see that a lot of people were comparing Reese James to Robertson and Trent and Isana Arnold, saying that he's better than them. Where? 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 I don't know. <laughs> Who said that? A lot of people. A lot of Chelsea fans. A lot of Chelsea fans <laughs> have compared them. He's not better than Bellerin. He's not. He's
2: yeah they, they said that he's um Wan Bisaka and Trent put together. Yeah, he's put together. <laughs> what?
3: What? What? Don't get me wrong, he has the potential. He has all the potential in the world. But right now, that guy yeah,
2: he, he hasn't has, been informed since they returned. The and and i and I'm a big fan of him as well.
3: And it's like we were all rooting for you, and just because we were rooting for you, it doesn't mean you should take your you should take your foot off the tiger's neck. Because the second you start playing badly, we are all going to come down on you. And unfortunately, that's what's been happening. And because it's not just one game, it's been the last two three games that I mean. It's just like he hasn't learned from his mistakes. You cannot be walking. You cannot be tracking back slowly. You have to mark your man accordingly. If, you're, if you lose your man, you are running after your man. You're not you're not walking there. You know, Willian had to chase his man yesterday day. Why? Why? Willian, he struggles up front regardless anyway, but then you have the poor man chasing back. Why? On top of that, Frank Lampard, he's a donor. Like His choices yesterday was absolutely abysmal. Now, a team that plays free at the back, we did this with Wolves as well, and he executed it perfectly. They're playing free at the back. We should be matching them. We should, because at the end of the day, if we have Jorginho in our midfield, He's not holding Sheffield United's midfield. He's not doing it. We all know this. If you were going to play like that, at least, at least, at least they can there. At least. Kovacic, in fact. One of them. Jorginho, do you think he's going to dictate that midfield? They're all going to come out in like a bulldozer. He lost the ball how many times? He lost the ball so many damn times. And he hasn't even started a match yet this season. So it was just... Don't even get me started on Tammy Abraham. I can go on for days about that man. But anyway... Um, I've gone off tangent again. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, but Brie, um, <laughs> with, <laughs> with our new signings coming in, obviously you really mentioned that it's not enough. Um, because we need signings at the back. But with our new signings coming in, we have Werner who can play that number nine position instead of Tammy Abraham. We have Ziyech who can potentially play on the left or the right instead of Pilisic and. Um, Callum Hudson-Doy or Willian who's probably going to be going to Tottenham good luck, he's probably going to be <laughs> going to Tottenham and with our new signings assuming we don't get a new back four is this enough?
6: No, I don't think so and we don't have a, our keeper isn't great either so no. the back is fucked, if that's what we go on with next season we're definitely going to be conceding a lot of goals
3: Yeah, um, but is that such a bad thing?
6: Um, I mean, it won't be a bad thing if we're scoring more goals than we are conceding. So, I guess we just have to see how it goes.
3: We're
6: having
3: a top goal best. scorer in Timo Werner. Yeah. Top goal scorer in ZH, And potentially, we could be getting Haberts, who's also a top goal scorer, but his role as a number 10 is more prominent. Why did you put your hand on your head like that?
5: Are you all right?
1: No, just like the thought that you guys can just go pick up one trans window, Werner's it, and Havertz. It's ridiculous to me. Oh yeah, it's different to your game.
3: <laughs> Unfortunately, baby, it's the game is the different. Sorry, baby. It's the sorry, baby. Apparently Rudiger's already in talks, you know, agent Rudiger. Yeah, I he's, heard.
6: he's the one that convinced Werner to come, so he needs to And then
3: Werner's now convincing Havertz to come and it's just like a whole big cycle, you yeah. see. But touching on Chelsea again, like I think it could be enough, you know, because Man City, at one point, they were leaking goals through their house. Like, they were literally leaking goals. But what happened, they still won the league um, because their front force was frightening. And usually, when your front force is frightening like that, teams normally just play on the counter with you. And if you can just pattern that, yeah, I don't think it, should, it could be that bad. We don't have terrible um defenders i think we need another fullback for sure but other than that i think we'll, we'll be just fine um with the signings that we have because i don't see us getting more signings unless we want um financial fair play to take a look at us and we get another ban and god I thought please. that was
6: put on um hold the financial fair play because of like covid or if is that
1: They've been relaxed. I don't know how
6: you yeah, relaxed. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I thought maybe we could nip in another defender in there, you know. But... Do
3: you know what it is, though, with all of this financial fair play situation, blah, blah, blah? That's how in 10 years they'll they'll look retrospectively back on this year and be like, hang on, you guys signed this, 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 and this yeah. person. Let's put them under review. So please, mm-mm. if we can only sign ZH, Werner, and Havertz, I don't mind, personally. I don't mind. I'll be
1: happy with that team. You, you signed them three. You've had one of the best transfer windows of all the European teams. Yeah.
5: One, of the best. one of the
2: best. Attacking wise, but you guys have leaked more goals than us. I feel like you're really underestimating how problematic that could be next season. You know, like I mean, you you will probably be able to outscore a lot of teams, but no. it just kind of reminds me of Liverpool 13, 14. How like yeah. they were doing so well and they could outscore anybody on their day, and then but they just couldn't keep the goals out
3: all the time because they had people doing dumb stuff at the back. But I don't know. With that being said, Liverpool, they did come close that season to winning the league. And I'm not asking Chelsea to win the league next season. I'm just asking for better football because right now, um, even though our problem is at the back, it's equally at the front too because we cannot create... Sorry, I think someone just scored. Okay, you guys hear my dad screaming. But anyway... um... (laughs) It was clearly Bournemouth, that scored, because my dad wouldn't be celebrating if it wasn't. But yeah, um, in that respect, it's like, when your front four, front three are not creating enough, they're not taking their chances enough, like Chelsea can hold 70% of possession and be 2-0 down. Like, that is, that is also a huge problem. Like, if we're losing matches, like, 3-2 or something, I won't be as mad, you know? But then losing 3-0. Because none of our players want to take that shot. None of our players want to score. The only goal scorer in our team is Pjolisic, obviously. And the only other person is, for me, Mason Mount. And that says a lot. It's not even one of our strikers. It it says a lot. But yeah, I don't even want to sit in this negative pool of energy. I'm kind of tired of just hearing it. I'm really tired of it. But anyway... Does anyone have any additions, subtractions to the conversations we've had today? Nope. No, we covered everything. Speak now, forever hold your peace. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In that respect, thank you guys for watching another episode of the Gold Diggers Podcast. Um, Maya, tell us where. Uh, tell us where people can find you on your social media platforms.
4: Yeah, so my socials are the same across. It's just at Maya Graham, um, I tweet a lot about Tottenham, so don't follow me if you don't want to see that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you heard that. You're a Tottenham fan and you're looking for... Lovely ladies and football to follow. Please go ahead and follow at Maya Graham. And if you're an Arsenal fan, stay clear. Mm. But yeah, um, I think it's been an interesting week of football. Commiserations to Arsenal for losing their first North London derby in quite a number of years. Um commiserations to Bubbles to being the worst Premier League champions <laughs> in twenty two <2022. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> In twenty-two years. I'm playing by the way, I'm joking, like yeah. Don't talk seriously, please. No, I'm not, not not you, Liverpool fans. Please. Yeah, yeah. Not to take this seriously. But yeah, Um, once again, from us here at Gold Diggers, have a lovely week and goodbye. Don't be surprised if I ask what a big